haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste, O help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, Lord Christ, and of our salvation. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a laggard to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have a broken heart. So that I am in despair, I look for pity, but there is none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. We have sung one of the messianic psalms of scripture that speaks of the Messiah who is to come and his suffering and his death for us. We hear now in the first lesson also of one of those messianic portions of scripture that speak of the Messiah who is to come and to suffer for us. From the 50th chapter of Isaiah. I give my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not being dis disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, 
and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Passion reading, the Palace of the High Priests, from the 26th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered, and Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. And now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, He deserves death. And then they spit in his face and they struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to his bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out. And he wept bitterly. And when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. And then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury. The potter's 
since it is blood, blood money, so they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. And therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. And then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise up against me. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Lead me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who 
grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. For our textual consideration tonight from Isaiah, the 50th chapter, the Messiah prophetically speaks, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So far, our scriptural texts, friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, Later this evening, we'll sing that which has directed our thoughts through this Lenten season thus far, Lamb of God, pure and holy, who on the cross did suffer, ever patient and lowly, and then we'll sing thyself to scorn didst offer. Tonight, along with our scriptural text, it's this phrase, thyself to scorn didst offer, it's this phrase, that, that we consider a phrase, indeed, well worth considering. It's been said that at times during the days of the Passover of old, the blood of lambs and goats ran ankle deep in the streets near and around the temple at Jerusalem. Ankle deep. That's a lot of blood. It's a lot of lambs and goats. It's almost tragic, isn't it? The number of, of innocents led to the slaughter. But their lives certainly were not for naught. Fact is, few created things in or under heaven, few of them have the high distinction that these lambs and rams and goats and other animals of sacrifice were given. A high level of this distinction because these These were vessels through which their God worked, vessels he himself instrumentally used to do eternal things, to awaken and sustain nothing less than faith and eternal life in the human creatures that he so dearly loved, the ones he was preparing for eternity, eternal things he was doing through these vessels. In fact, those lambs led to slaughter are in the rare class, I would say, with bread and wine and water and words of human language and letters. The very things today to which God attaches and through which he expresses his word in order to create and sustain faith and preserve everlasting life in creatures like you and me. These lambs were, as it were, they were near sacramental. Their purpose and their calling in this world's life and every day, it was sublime. But as distinguished an office as these sacrificial, these near sacramental victims held, you can be sure that they they didn't offer themselves. Cognitively, if, if these animals would have known, they couldn't have known. If they would have known for what high purpose they were being used, I would suppose they would have gladly offered themselves, but these didn't. You can be sure that they didn't offer themselves. Now, maybe in animalistic ignorance, they went quietly and they opened not their mouths, unsuspecting of what was to come, but no doubt, often, often I would suppose, and I'm certain they went with a fight. And sometimes I would think quite a fight. The smell of death, the aroma of a a fellow lamb's 
fresh blood, and their natural instinct began to resist the sound of cries from other lambs from over yonder, and their built-in sense told them stubbornly to defy the priestly hands that were grabbing them, that were holding them down. Surely they didn't offer themselves. But Christ did. The Lamb of God did. Well aware of the altar, well aware of the price to be paid at Calvary, well aware that he himself was the victim to lie gently down upon that altar, Christ did offer himself. In fact, in our text, from Isaiah, it's prophetically said by the Christ, a prophecy, as you heard, fulfilled in part, in large part, by him in the Passion reading. What does he say? He says, I gave my back. I offered it. I gave my back to those who struck me in my cheeks, to those who plucked out my beard. Not only did he offer himself up simply to pay the price, but he gave his back and his cheek and his beard to the scorn and to the stupid ridicule of the very creatures that he came to save. A depth of stupidity not even known by sheep. That's why we sing to him tonight, thyself to scorn, it's offer. How unlike us, though, isn't it? How unlike us, with face set like flint on his mark and his goal, he would not be deterred by any amount of scorn. Men could say what they would, they could do what they would, they could threaten him with what they will. Set like flint. How about us? Around life's campfires and in life's courtyard conversations, how about you? Beyond the, the security of a band of believing and like-minded and confessing and faithful brothers in the faith, how, how about me? Of Peter. From today's passion reading of Peter, at least with him, wrong as Peter was in denying the Christ under the heat and the pressure of the scorn, he thought he'd face, at least one could say that at least he hadn't yet seen the end of the story. Though Christ had told him, hadn't he, what was going to happen at Jerusalem and how it was all going to come to pass. Peter had Christ's word, but friends, we know by their report, we know how it all turns out. We know Good Friday dusk gives way to the resurrection dawn. We know that this resurrected Christ who defied death has promised to be with us always, as he put it, in every situation in life. We know, and yet how we shrink in the face of ridicule. Mind you, it's, it's not always in what's said, is it? Or what's left unsaid. When someone around life's courtyard conversation calls you out on your Christian faith saying, yeah, you must be a disciple of his, for your speech gives you away. No doubt it is in those times, isn't it? And our scared silence is the reply, so that in saying nothing, we're really saying like Peter, I don't know what you mean. You must be mistaken. 
Sometimes it's in what's said or left unsaid, but often it's in what's done, isn't it? Life's actions, speaking far louder than our words, telling the world by the way we live, almost yelling to the world by the way we live, I swear to you, I do not know the man. Bold are we in the safety of the upper room. Surrounded by our own, but how the mighty roar of confession acquiesces in all the other arenas, the more threatening arenas in life. And if it's not a blatant denial, too often it's the the quiet kind. When someone criticizes Christ or Christian identity and we reason to ourselves, I just don't have the right thing to say. I don't have the right response at the moment, so I think I'll just remain quiet this time until, until next time. And let the Christ be scorned just this once more. It's common, isn't it? Common among students in school. Certainly common among students in our universities and colleges. But perhaps what's just as common in in schools and universities, colleges, indeed in workplaces and and in the public arena all over, is that those of certain positions of authority or who are set in places to speak where others may listen are often hesitant to come to the defense of those bold enough to confess or to come to the criticism of anti-Christian rhetoric because it seems that there's not that much perhaps to be gained by sticking my neck out, but there certainly is a whole lot for me to lose. Like Flint, he set his face on us But we, in so many ways, hid, as Scripture says, our faces from him. Jesus once said, if you're not for me, then you're against me. How grateful we can be that he is for us. Every Christian has stood where Peter stood at life's courtyard campfire, feeling the potential heat of ridicule, or the threat, perhaps, of something worse than just ridicule. Each of us has disowned Christ at some time to some particular degree or another, hiding our face from him in order to save face in the company of our peers. And in one way or another, for each of us, that rooster has crowed, hasn't it? And we know it was wrong. And it's right for us to repent. It's right for us to regret the weakness of our confession. It's, it's right for us to pray that next time we have the courage to say what needs to be said. It's, it's right for us to repent of having shared in the ridicule by our silent acquiescence to it. But I tell you this, it certainly would be wrong for us now not to follow Christ with our eyes. From that place of our remorse to follow him with our eyes and watch him make his way in this Lenten season to Calvary. Each step he takes, undeterred he takes for you and for me. For remember this, remember this. Had he preferred, he could have called it quits at any time. Could he not have? Had he preferred, he could have flexed his divine strength and 
and scattered like chaff. Those proud, those who, who did him wrong. You know, it reminds me again of that literary figure of Christian allegory I spoke of in a sermon some weeks or maybe even months ago now. It reminds me of Aslan, that lion of the magical land of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's Christ figure in his Christian allegory, the Chronicles of Narnia. Remember Aslan? Aslan, that lion of Narnia, who in the, the story, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, who gave his, his royal life for the life of that boy, who had gone the wayward way, the great lion. Maybe you read it, maybe you saw the film. So maybe you recall the great lion as the story goes. He lay himself down on the place of sacrifice. He allowed himself to be bound, to be beaten, and to be shaved and, and shorn of his majestic mane. He permitted himself to be ridiculed and mocked and then killed by all of those hideous creatures of Narnia that so delighted that day in their apparent victory. How easy it would have been for him to roar, a mighty roar, and to break the feeble bonds. But it wasn't rope, and it wasn't nails that held Christ to the altar. Christ's bonds of love for us bound him to the altar of the cross. His love wouldn't allow him to quit. His love for you impelled him to give, Scripture says, as we heard, his back to those who struck him and his cheek to those who plucked out his mane, his royal beard. And to not hide his face from the shame and the spitting. And he did it all for you and for me. He did it as scripture says. The Holy Spirit puts it so beautifully in scripture. Where in scripture says. Where in scripture he says. For the joy set before him. You know what that joy is? Do you know who that joy is? That's us. That's you and me. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, turning it on its head, scorning its shame, scorning, ridiculing its ridicule with his own death upon the cross, scorning its shame, and as it goes on to say, has now sat down at the right hand of power. And one day before him, every knee will bow. And every tongue, no matter what it is said of him in the past, ridiculed or confessed him, every tongue will confess that he, Jesus Christ, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Well aware, friends, that Christ has won our eternal good. And aware of what the risen Christ continues day after day and week after week to do for us and in regard and for that eternal good, we can walk in the confidence in which Peter walked. The confidence in which he walked before us in the face of ridicule, we too can confess Christ. Why? For the joy set before us. The joy set before us, namely those 
who would come to hear of him by us through a confession <clears throat> through a confession that we otherwise wouldn't have spoken but yet we scorned the shame and spoke it anyway for those you see who would come to hear of them for those who would be eternally grateful that in that moment we did confess him so that they heard of him eternally grateful the confession for the confession that they that day heard and otherwise wouldn't have heard oh that we may share in that high distinction of being such vessels in our given vocations and our given offices in life through which god would work friends in the face of worse than that of worse than ridicule but legal threat and imprisonment we too with peter we can confess what else can i do we must obey god rather than men so do with me what you will friends in the face of even worse than that in the face of death itself with peter who would be crucified legend or rather history tells us who would be crucified rather than compromise an inch of the confession of his lord christ we too with peter can have the confidence to confess christ's name before men knowing knowing that christ has promised to confess us where it matters eternally not in the court of public opinion but before his father in heaven for we know as isaiah tonight said we know that come what may in this world that in the end the lord god will help me and i will not be put to shame in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen join with me now in singing that hymn of our lenten devotion lamb of god pure and holy a bulletin insert for you
Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and the chances of life may find our rest in you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Eternal God, the hours both of day and night are yours, and to you the darkness is no threat. Be present, we pray, with those who labor in these hours of night, especially those who watch and work in behalf of others. Grant them diligence in their watching, faithfulness in their service, courage in danger, competence in emergencies. Help them to meet the needs of others with confidence and compassion through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us at the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with us when the day of affliction and temptation comes upon us and the night of death draws near. Abide with us and with all the faithful now and forever. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, you offered up the Lamb of God, who on the cross did suffer. We ask that you keep our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. May we ever recognize in his suffering and death our refuge from all guilt, from the forgiveness of sins, and the promise of life everlasting. Amen. The Almighty and most merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and keep you all. Amen. Amen.